0: Welcome to the podcast of Central Church. This is our latest weekly message. Oh, hello. It's quite warm. I'm hot. Is it just me or is it? Do we need more fans on? It's just me. Hang on. Let me move this one around for... Oh, no, I don't... I mean, I'll get hot anyway. Um... Oh, well, welcome. We are um, each week at the moment, we're just looking at the lectionary texts for the day. So, if you have come from a more traditional church, you might be familiar with the lectionary cycle of readings that the church runs through every three years. If you're not familiar with that, it might mean nothing to you, and that's fine. All it, all it means is that each week, each Sunday, um, across Oh, mil- millions, not thousands, but you know, many churches across all different denominations will sit with these same texts. And it's very ancient, it's been put together and crafted quite intentionally. There's always an Old Testament text and a psalm. So Jessamy read out our psalm for today during worship. Then there's a New Testament text and a gospel. So actually, Brian, you read them every Sunday and you read them every morning because you actually follow the daily lectionary because there is one that sits alongside the the weekly one. Do you want to say anything about what that's like for you? And you can be honest.
1: (laughs) That's a mistake. Uh, Yeah, look, I've been reading them for about two years now. I thought I needed to read something every day, Uh, as much for the practice and the discipline as it was for the content. So I've been doing it every day, almost, almost, uh, whether I want to or not. Uh, and sometimes I think, why am I doing this? And other times I think, this is wonderful. Uh, I, I get frustrated with it in that sometimes the passages are just ripped out of context and put in front of me and I think, what on earth is this about? Who are these people? Where are they at? What are they doing? Why am I reading this? But I read it anyway. Um, sometimes... There is just a passage there and it just whacks me in the head or the heart or the gut or wherever it needs to whack me and I think, oh, I just need to sit with that for a while. And uh, yeah, so I'll read it and then I'll continue my walk, which is not all that long, um, but I'll continue my walk and I'll just chew on it, meditate on it for the, for the rest of the walk and often it will come back to me during the day or later in the week or I will see it reflected in the next day's readings. And there there is a, a thematic sort of structure to it, and if you can follow the theme, uh, it makes a bit more sense. Sometimes the theme just escapes me, like songs where we change the key and I don't know where we're going. Uh, but, um, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I value my daily readings uh, partly for the discipline, probably mostly for the discipline, but also because sometimes they just speak to me, and if I wasn't reading it, I would miss
0: out on that. Thanks, Brian. There is, in my opinion today, too much scripture to read out in church, which is probably not a statement any pastor should say, (laughs) but there is like lots of scripture um, to read out. So we've read the psalm, which is Psalm 139, and... Um, our other passages of scripture for today are 1 Samuel chapter 3 verses 1 to 10, 1 Corinthians 6 verses 12 to 20 and John chapter 1 verses 43 to 51. Now I'm not going to read them all out, I'm going to read out the Samuel passage and part of 1 Corinthians because like Brian said there are themes that run through and as I've been sitting with these texts this week and wrestling with them, and allowing them to speak to me and trying to find the connections of what it is that uh, I could bring forth from this. You can. Only, I, I'm just bringing forth what I've got. Um, and there's many things we could glean out of these texts. But as I've read them, I've recognised that these particular texts um, actually demonstrate a tra- trajectory of thought in the scriptures. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we see things written um, in the Old Testament that are different to what we read in the New Testament. And we can recognise that there's a trajectory of learning that's happening across thousands of years. Knowledge of God that's growing. Knowledge of humanity that's changing. And so we have to just acknowledge that our scriptures contain uh, contradictions, conflict and growth sometimes and in these particular texts I see a trajectory of knowledge growing from what we read in 1 Samuel to what we read in 1 Corinthians. That doesn't make the Bible problematic, it just makes it rich and robust and complex and it means that we need to give it the respect that it deserves as we read it because um, it's, it's an amazing sacred text. So as I, as I read this, what I'm seeing in the scriptures today is a trajectory of, of what people understood about where God dwells. So I want to talk to you this morning about where God dwells, and I want to talk to you specifically this morning about body, your body. And I want to remind you that your body actually matters to God. um, Your body matters very much. So let's read um, 1 Samuel. It's a text that you'll be quite familiar with if you're a Bible reader or you ever went to Sunday school. Um, So it's a story about the boy Samuel. The little boy Samuel who goes on to be the priest who anoints both Saul and David as king we read a lot about Samuel in first and second Samuel because that's (laughs) and kings Um, this is a story from when Samuel was a boy if you remember you will know that um, Samuel's mother was desperate to have a baby and she was barren And she spends a lot of time praying and weeping in the temple, so much so that the priests thought she was drunk. They didn't really know women very well. Um, And she says to God, if you bless me with a son, I will dedicate him to you. And so God does indeed bless her with a son, Samuel. And so she dedicates Samuel to the Lord, which essentially means that when Samuel reached a certain age, I don't quite know what that age was, seven he went to live in the temple, which wasn't actually the temple at that time, it was the tabernacle because Solomon hadn't built the temple. So he goes to live in the tent of the place of the presence of God and he lives among the priests and it's almost like he's an apprentice to the priests and he's going to learn the priestly trade because he's been dedicated to the Lord. Now, just for a little bit of history, this story is ancient This story is as far removed from us today as the year 5024, roughly. So just so you know, this is an ancient story, 3,000 years old, roughly. So when we're reading very ancient texts, we have to keep that in mind. Like to me, the idea that 5,000 doesn't exist in my mind because I I can't imagine life in the year 5,000 if we get there. But this is... The same amount of time removed backwards in history from us, this story. So here we go. Now, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, here I am, and ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call, lie down again. So he goes back and lies down. The Lord called again, Samuel, Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli says, I did not call you. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli, who's a little bit smarter than Samuel and a lot older, perceived that it was God who was speaking to Samuel and calling the boy. So Eli says to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. When I read this text and We'll be looking at some other texts as we go forward, but I see in this text a a few things that are interesting, and I want to point out. And I think I had them highlighted and bolded up on the screen, which is my bolding, not the Bible's bolding. We read that at the at the time of Samuel being a boy, the word of the Lord was rare. It was rare to to hear and see and know God. Um, It was rare. Um, The text tells us that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. But here's the thing. Samuel was living in the tabernacle. Samuel was living in the tent of the presence of God. Samuel was living as close to God as possible in the worldview of his people in ancient times. Because if you went to any person living in Old Testament times and asked them this question... Where does God dwell? What would their answer be in the tabernacle? God dwells in that tent over there, specifically above the Ark of the Covenant between the two. It's ancient and weird. But if you went to any you know, ancient Israelite and asked them the question, where does God dwell? They would point to a location and say, God dwells there. Now Samuel's living in that place. He's sleeping in front of the Ark of the Covenant. He's as close to God's presence as humanly possible in their ancient mindset. And yet he does not know the Lord and he cannot hear God's voice. It's interesting to be that close to God and yet not know and perceive that God is there. There is, Despite Samuel's physical proximity there's a distance in his understanding that's what I want to bring out of this text as we move to the psalms or this psalm 139 probably only written let's go with 60 years after this story because it's a psalm of David Samuel's older than David but Samuel anoints David so let's go with 60 years David's understanding of the presence of God is a little bit more intimate and present than Samuel's knowledge at the time of this ancient story that we read. For Samuel and at people in Samuel's time, God lived there in that tent above that box. When we get to Psalm 139, we start to read a few different, more intimate things about God's presence. We read that it's God that searches and knows us. So somehow God's interacting with people. God knows when we sit down and when we rise up. We read in verse 5, God hems us in. If you don't go with the creepy feeling of this, but the beautiful feeling of this, um, you, you know, because you can read it a bit like, ooh, you know, it depends what soundtrack you have playing in the background. If you've got the Jaws soundtrack playing in the background of this text, it's like real creepy. If you've got... Uh, a classical Vivaldi's Four Seasons playing, you're going to be like, oh, this is glorious. You hem me in behind and before, you lay your hand upon me. We, we start to see a more intimate understanding of God's presence, but God is still external. God is still around before, hemming us in, laying his hand upon us he's seeing us and watching us we read in verse 15 that our frame was not hidden from God when we were being made in secret I mean this is beautiful poetic language about the intimacy of God's knowledge of us as human people God's eyes beheld our unformed substance so we start to see this movement from God's just over there in that tent in that box to actually God is around us God's hand lies on us God sees us and knows us. There's like movement, there's trajectory that we start to see about the presence of God. And then we move to our New Testament text for today, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And what we get is a giant leap of revelation. We get this giant leap of revelation and Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19... Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? This is where we see the trajectory, because if Paul was to randomly pop up in the day of Samuel and say, Hey, Samuel, you want to know something? your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, Samuel would have had no framework to understand what on earth that meant because for him and most of the Old Testament times, the presence of God dwelt in the actual tabernacle or temple. There was no sense really that we were temples because the temple was over there. So we see this giant leap in understanding in Scripture and we have that giant leap because of Jesus Jesus is the radical reimagining of the presence of God. Because no longer prior to Jesus, it was like God is out there or over there, but all of a sudden, in the person of Christ, God is with us, God is among us, God is one of us. And Jesus, in his teaching, starts to redefine the location of God as within himself. And then blessing upon blessing, when he breathes out the Holy Spirit as he leaves this earth, he now reimagines that every single one of us are now temples of the Holy Spirit. So God is no longer just out there. God is no longer just on here. God is in here. This is where God dwells. And so most of us, if, we, if someone was to ask you, where does God dwell you would have a more nuanced and complex answer to that question. I think part of your answer would probably say, God dwells in me. We would recognize God dwells in all of creation. But very few of us would say, God dwells over here. (laughs) Very few of us would ever be like actually building or location oriented in the same way that the Old Testament was. So we have this trajectory. And so we start to see That because our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, our bodies matter to God. Our bodies really matter to God. In fact, if I could summarise Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I won't read them all out, because basically he's talking about don't have sex with a prostitute. Now, if you need to hear that message this morning, I bless you with it don't have sex with a prostitute but I think you know for most of us we've probably got that one in the back pocket and so there's a deeper message we can understand which is your body matters what you do with your body matters it matters because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit it matters because God dwells within you therefore your body is a sacred space And your body matters to God because it's the dwelling place of God's spirit. Your body is the meeting place of you and God. So long as you are alive and breathing on this earth, your body is the meeting place of you and God. You cannot meet with God in this realm without your body. That's why your body matters. In the Old Testament, people would go on pilgrimage to the temple to encounter God's presence. They would go walking to go find God, to go meet with God. Now that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, every pilgrimage you make to seek God will inevitably lead back to yourself because that is the prime location of God's presence for you, God dwelling within your body. Your body as it is sitting in this glorious chair this morning is the temple of your, the Holy Spirit, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body as it is, not as you wish it would be, but your body as it is is a dwelling place of god and god is pleased to dwell with you in your body with your aches and pains with your mental health status with your emotional complexities with your sports injuries and whatever it is that's going on in your actual real lived body god is pleased to dwell with you as you are that's a that's an amazing beautiful thing to contemplate That God likes you because he's made his home in you. God likes you. God likes your body. God likes your personality. God likes how you've been knit together. That's what Psalm 139 says. God's pleased with you. He thinks you are an incredible manifestation of his beauty. And he likes you. And he dwells in you. Warts and all. I feel like If we, as a body of people, could really have a deep revelation of this, it would inform the way we belong to one another. And I think that I have a a great hope for us as a community. I think we do this, we do this okay, but I would love to see us keep growing in this, is that we would recognise and honour one another as fellow temples of the Holy Spirit. And so because of that, we would have no hierarchy of bodies in this community. No hierarchy of bodies, because everybody, as they are, are temples of the Holy Spirit. What I mean by that is, there is a hierarchy of beauty in this community. We don't treat one another based on how good-looking we are, or not. We don't treat one another based on size, like the culture around us does, that somehow thinner, fitter, more, I don't know, glorious physical specimens of the human kind are somehow inherently better than others. That is not what the kingdom of God should be like. We should not have hierarchy of gender. We should not have hierarchy of intelligence. We should not have hierarchy of um, marital status. We should just honour every person because they are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And I have a hope that our church would embody that more and more, that we would look beyond what our culture informs us that bodies are valued as, and instead value one another because we are fellow temples of the Holy Spirit. That's part of my hope for us as a community, that we wouldn't participate in all of that judgment kind of stuff. Ruth Haley Barton says this, we need to learn how to receive the goodness of the body as part of our life in God that he pronounced good. We are in need of a sacramental approach to life in which the body is understood to be sacred because it is the place where God's spirit has chosen to dwell. Your body is good. Your body is sacred because it is the place where God's spirit has chosen to dwell. This is why so many of our spiritual practices within our Christian faith are embodied practices. When we're baptised, you can't do baptism without a body or two. You're You're not pouring water over some ethereal spirit and you're not pouring water over your disembodied mind that's agreeing to a certain list of things that the Christian faith said it should adhere to you are immersing a human body in water baptism is such an embodied thing and you cannot baptize yourself well you you could try but you can't baptize yourself you need another body or two to bless you and lay their hands upon you to pray over you and to immerse you in those waters. It's an embodied practice. When we come to the table of the Lord, you cannot eat and drink of the Lord's body without a body yourself. It's not, you're not feeding your spirit. You're not pouring port down into your brain. Um, You're feeding your body. It's embodied. When we kneel, when we sing, when we raise our hands, when we walk in pilgrimage, all of these are embodied practices. Why? Because our bodies matter to God. And it's only through our bodies that we encounter God as we bring ourselves to him. This is, we have such an embodied faith. Cynthia Bourgeau says the mind alone is the single biggest impediment to our spiritual growth. The mind alone is the single biggest impediment to our spiritual growth. Thinking that our faith is just here and if we could just get this right, then all would be well. That, she says, is the single biggest impediment to spiritual growth because we are not brains on sticks. We're bodies, and God has chosen to dwell in our bodies. Your body, with its incredible capacity for pleasure, is sacred and good. Your body, with all its limitations caused by age, anyone got creaky knees, anyone got arthritic joints, Anyone got hormonal surges? (laughs) Anyone got sports injuries? Anyone got mental health challenges? Anyone got emotional wounds? Our bodies, with all of their limitations and quirks and realities, are sacred and good as they are. Now, this doesn't mean... That we just follow every whim of our body. That's what 1 Corinthians 6 is about. You know, don't have sex with a prostitute. You might feel like it. Not a good idea, Paul says. It's good advice. Just because you feel something in your body doesn't mean you act on everything that's where wisdom comes in that's where discernment of the spirit comes in because we're not just flesh acting out urges we're temples of the holy spirit where pleasure and fun and play is good but so is restraint and wisdom and you know knowledge and the understanding of timeliness. So we don't just follow every urge because our bodies are good, let's just get it on. That's not what I'm saying. But pleasure is good and play is good and our bodies are good. It also doesn't mean that just because our bodies are sacred and we're we, we're sometimes a little bit wounded and that we just like accept our wounds as some kind of thing. No, like we can move towards wholeness in our bodies. We can move towards greater mental health. We can move towards emotional wholeness and healing. We can move towards getting our bodies as healthy as possible. That's still part of what it means to be a body. But we're not enslaved to those things. We're not thinking that if only my body was this, then God would be pleased with me. If only my body was like that, then life would be better. Because your body as it is, not as you think it should be, is the dwelling place of God. Bruce, I can't say his last name. Hulm? Hume? Hume? Anyway, you say it how you like it. Bruce, he's an Australian man, says this. Christian spirituality, in fact, any healthy spirituality, is not about becoming less human And more spiritual, but becoming fully alive and deeply human. Christian spirituality affirms without reservation that in Jesus we see a God who is to be found in the human embodied experiences of life joy, pain, tiredness, pathologies high energy, celebration, suffering, intimacy, creativity, sexuality, an enfleshed God and a God longed for by body, mind and spirit. Healthy spirituality is not about becoming less human and more spiritual, it's about becoming fully alive, and deeply human. Deeply human. Why? Because God became deeply human in Jesus. To be human is not a mistake. To be human is not a flaw. To be human is not a problem. It is a glory that even the angels long for, our scriptures say. Your body Your life, as it is, is a holy and sacred home of God. And God dwells there. And because our bodies are the home of God's spirit, every experience we have, every joy, every wound, every quirk, every limitation, all pleasure and all pain, has the potential to be a holy encounter with God. Everything has the potential to be a holy encounter with God. Now I say potential because usually the thing that's missing is our awareness of how deeply God is meeting with us in our bodies. It's not that God is not present, it's that he's present and we don't realise it. That's what's missing. Our awareness of our bodies and the way that God is speaking through our bodies is often something we miss. We live in a culture that is excarnational, trying to get us away from our bodies most people live at a short distance from their body we follow an incarnational god who chose to dwell in flesh so our movement is not away from our bodies but deeper into our bodies and becoming more fully human god comes to us calling to us in and through our bodies But we don't know the voice of God. And this is where our first text in 1 Samuel becomes not just an ancient story about a boy who once lived in a temple, but becomes a real and truthful story about every single one of us. Because all of us are living as close to God as humanly possible. You cannot be any closer to God than you are right now, in your body, God dwelling within you. And God comes calling to us, Samuel. And we run off to Eli. (laughs) And say, here I am. And God comes calling to us, like God came calling to Samuel. And we don't recognize God's voice. There is a way, I think, in which these scriptures that we read today from 1 Samuel through to Psalm 139 through to Paul's glorious statement about our bodies being a temple of the Holy Spirit, that we can hear the invitation from God to dwell more intentionally in our bodies, to listen more deeply to our bodies, to recognise that it's actually through our bodies that God is speaking to us, that wisdom comes to us, that guidance comes to us if we have ears to hear. Your body is not something to overcome or deny, but something to dwell in with God and listen deeply to, be curious about, seek wisdom for, and listen to the voice of God. If God is speaking to you today through your body, what might God be saying? If God is using your body as the major prophet in your life, what is the word of the prophet to you this morning? What might God be saying to you? using the very ordinary flesh and blood of your own body. This is what scripture teaches us is sacred. Here are some things, I'm, I, I didn't think smart enough about how I wanted to end this. Here are some things that, I think are good practices for us when we recognize that our body matters, that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. That to listen to God more deeply might mean listening to our bodies more deeply. One of the practices we can do is a kind of centering prayer practice i'm not sure how many of you are familiar with centering prayer centering prayer is essentially a kind of silent prayer where you sit in a still place and usually in centering prayer you pick a word um, to be the word that calls your attention back to the fact that you're sitting quietly because quite frankly, your mind will go bananas if you try to sit still. And so you have a word, it might be love, it might be God, it might be Yahweh, it might be mercy. You just pick a God, a oh, God, you pick a word that every time your brain wanders, you come back to that word. To live in your body and listen to your body might mean that you practice centering prayer with your breath as the thing that calls you back. And so you sit still and you just breathe, because you're not gonna forget to breathe and you're not gonna stop breathing. So every time you, your attention wanders, you just come back to your breath and you allow your breath to be the thing that calls you back to God, because it's your breath, but it's also the breath of God that's filling your lungs. And in that space of just being still and being centered, you can allow your body to just be in God's presence. So how about, let's practice this together, just for a minute. If you don't like it, that's all right. If you think it's weird, that's all right. If you plan your shopping for the week while we do this, that's all right. But for those of us that feel like we can, um, how about we just practice this for a little bit and let our bodies and God be sacred to us. So maybe just as you are, you can sit. Some of us keeping silent is easier than others. And so if you, if you know that in, your, in your, your, the way your brain is built by God, you find silence really difficult, sometimes just tapping your fingers or doing something that can keep your attention focused, that can help. Um, if you find closing your eyes not helpful, you can keep your eyes opened. But how about we, we just sit, we, we still, and I just invite you to turn your focus to your breathing. Every breath keeping your body alive. Every breath, the breath of God. And as you're sitting still, as you're sitting with God, as God is sitting with you, If you are aware of a part of your body that is in pain, a part of your body that is tired, a part of your body that's not working as you would like it to, I want you to imagine that every breath in is you bringing that part of your body to God. And every exhale is God sending their love and their mercy to that part of your body. Every breath in He's bringing that wound to God. Every breath out is God pouring His mercy upon you. Every breath in is you living in your body as it is. Every breath out is God soaking your body with love. Every breath in is asking God for wholeness and newness and healing. And every breath out Is God's presence soaking your body, soaking your cells, soaking your bones, soaking your joints, soaking your muscles with God's presence? God, we thank you for our bodies we thank you that these fragile resilient bodies are sacred are temples of your Holy Spirit would you help us God to live in our bodies to live with you to listen to you as you speak to us in our flesh, that we would not deny your voice, God, but we would listen to it deeper, becoming more human and more alive. Thank you, God, that we know because of Jesus You now dwell in us and with us, and we do not need to go looking for you somewhere else, but we find you in our very bones, in our spirit, in our heart, in our mind, in our gut, in our bodies. Help us, God, to live with you. And as we finish, just wiggle your toes. Toes that contain the presence of God. And bring yourself back to the room. I have a couple of questions that we won't wrestle with, but I'll pop them up there um, on the screen if they're there. I don't even know. Oh, yeah, there they are. Things that you might like to think about this week. If God is speaking to you through your body, what might God be saying? Where in your body do you struggle with feeling less than, or not good enough, or inferior? And could meditating on God's dwelling in and with you, as you are, bring some freedom to that part of you that struggles? And the, the, in some ways, the biggest question that sits beyond our own understanding of our own bodies as a temple of the Holy Spirit is this question. How might a greater understanding of our own sacredness change the way we treat one another, knowing that every human being near and far is a temple of the Holy Spirit? It changes the way we treat one another when we have a deep revelation of this. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out more about Central, visit us at centralchurch.org.au. Music by Chris D'Souza, a beloved member of Central.